Today on Ag News Daily. Will this rule place unnecessary burden on business? Does this rule accomplish what's best for Arkansas farmers? Uh, And so today is a first step. Good afternoon and happy Friday, everyone. It is currently June 23rd, 2017. I am Mike Pearson, joined today, as always, by my co-host, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how you doing? I'm good, Mike. I just had some Indian food for lunch. And how are you feeling? I don't know. I haven't, I've only had Indian food one other time, and I don't know. We'll see. What'd I feel get? okay right now. A curry? Chicken, yeah, chicken curry. How spicy was it? They have like 14 or 15 different levels, and I got one. One being the least spicy. Yeah. Gotcha. So not spicy really at all. Well, good. I had a, uh, I had a Mounds bar for lunch so far. Oh my god. Get that, get that coconut in there. Feel like summertime. That's not really lunch. That's more of a snack or yeah. dessert. It is, but uh, you know, running, running, running today. You know how it is. I know. Gotta yeah. Eat what you can. I know. All that being said, there is a lot of news today in the world of agriculture. It seems as though it all saved up until Friday. As much as I'd love to keep chit-chatting, Delaney, I kind of feel like we ought to get into this. Yeah, I do too. So what what do you want to talk about first? We've got a good interview coming up uh, today. Should we start with that news? Sure, I suppose we can. The um, I reported on this, I think... Whatever day you were out, Mike, so was that Tuesday? Tuesday, yes. Okay, so Arkansas is voting on their dicamba usage and restrictions. On Tuesday, they were supposed to have an initial vote and some complications arose. They didn't have the correct number of votes, etc. And so the Arkansas State Plant Board was to re-vote today. And so we are going to be talking to the director of communications for Arkansas Agriculture, who is Adrienne Barnes. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about what's been going on in Arkansas. And then we actually talked to her this morning before the vote, but she did follow up with me via email this afternoon and just filled me in on what they had decided during that final ruling. And what did they decide? What can Arkansas growers continue to use dicamba? They voted to pass a proposed emergency rule to ban the use of in-crop dicamba with the exemption of pasture land. So now it's going to be an expedited rule. Um, And so this was kind of the first step in a long process. The next step will include to review the proposed rule by the governor before being submitted to the executive subcommittee of the Arkansas Legislative Council for approval. So the governor has to review the rules and make sure that this doesn't place any unnecessary burden on businesses. So it's a long process. But as Adrian will mention here in just a moment in the interview, this is an emergency action. So it's still, you know, is possible to pass before the end of the summer. All right. So, yeah, we will talk to Adrian here what the ramifications of that vote will be for growers. So do stay tuned because what's happening in Arkansas uh, isn't happening in a vacuum. We've got also Missouri and Mississippi have been dealing with numerous complaints from other producers about dicamba drift. And there's thoughts that, you know, maybe, especially last year, because there there were no approved, uh, you know, uh, forget the word, up, you know, updated dicamba herbicides, mm-hmm. um, the Extendamax and the Ingenia and so forth, that producers were using old chemistries and they were drifting. 
But even as of the beginning of this year, Indiana has proposed a rule to make uh, formulations of dicamba that are 6.5% or more dicamba restricted use. And uh, Mississippi has proposed ratcheting up the... uh, or excuse me, ratcheting down the 15-mile-per-hour wind speed limit for spraying, bringing that back down to 10. And Mississippi, Georgia, and Tennessee, and Indiana, and I would assume next year as well in Arkansas, applicators are going to be required to participate in uh, special herbicide training. So all of these things are kicking off, and uh, Arkansas is just the first mover in this 2017 crop season. Well, and it is worth noting, Mike, that this is really the first season that dicamba products were approved to use by the EPA. So I'm sure as we're progressing and we learn more about the new products and the new the technology and all of that, I'm sure more states will probably follow suit. Unless, as producers, we can uh, utilize this pesticide right. in such a way that, you know, we don't cause significant Mm -hmm. drift and uh, damage to neighbors' crops. And so that's one of the things Adrian will talk about. They haven't completed the investigation into all of these complaints. So right now, they, she mentions it, I think 214-some complaints. Yeah, I think 241. 241, that's right, complaints. But of those complaints, the state has not yet been able to conclude their investigation as to whether or not those were all caused, truly caused by dicamba drift. Really, the most important thing to remember for producers is to make sure and read the labels and follow the rules that they say. They're not on there just for show and tell. They really are important, and we want to, as producers, continue being able to use these products, so it's important to abide by those rules. Yeah, exactly. We want to make sure all new chemistries, as they come out, they are utilized well for growers, so we can use them you know, into the future. This right. Gadding dicamba can be a heck of a tool against pigweed, particularly mm-hmm. in the South, but it's not going to do us a lot of good if they take away this chemistry or right. severely restrict it. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. We will talk to Adrian Barnes here in just a couple minutes. In the meantime, Delaney, have you been paying attention to more news coming out of Brazil? Yes, I sure have, Mike. So now what news do you have? Because there's been quite a bit. Oh, okay. Well, the news I have is that Secretary Purdue announced yesterday that the USDA is suspending all imports of fresh beef from Brazil because of reoccurring health concerns. The normal rate of rejection for incoming shipments of meat or just fresh produce from the rest of the world generally is around 1% rejection rate. But since March, the FSIS, which is a food safety and inspection service, has refused entry of 11% of fresh beef products. That is right. So that fresh beef, now this doesn't impact their frozen beef shipments in the U.S. Frozen beef will continue. But fresh beef, what has happened is as the inspectors cut into these cuts of uh, Brazilian beef, they were finding very large abscesses. And Mm -hmm. earlier today, the... um, a fellow from Brazil, whose name I will find here in just a second, the Ag Minister, was traveling up to the U.S. to talk to Secretary Purdue and folks at the USDA. And he says that the problem is that growers are using vaccines to prevent foot and mouth disease. And those vaccines are mm-hmm. causing an adverse reaction, which is leading to these abscesses. And, you know, it's interesting. Brazil is the only country from which we import fresh beef products that doesn't have foot and mouth disease, but still vaccinates for it. So 
they say they're going to uh, to work with producers to get them to inject in different areas and try some different uh, chemistries to to mitigate these abscesses. But in the meantime, Brazilian beef, fresh Brazilian beef, will no longer be allowed into the country. Mm-hmm. Is that all the news you had, Mike? You said you had multiple pieces of Brazil news. So okay, what else do you have? piece of Brazil news, and this dropped yesterday evening. So the Brazilian Supreme Court has taken up or did take up the issue of prosecutors offering uh, leniency in exchange for testimony. Basically what we do when, you know, the mob bosses turn state's witness here in this country and they get mm-hmm. witness protection, they don't go to jail. In Brazil, we've seen this repeatedly with 77 executives from uh, Odebrecht, the large construction company, and with seven executives from our good friends there at JBS, they have taken plea agreements where they basically were uh, given favors to testify and to turn over evidence. Well, the Brazilian Supreme Court said that it has the right to overturn these plea bargains if they don't feel as though witnesses have been fully honest. So the concern Mm -hmm. is now going forward with these investigation and uh, into corruption down in Brazil, people might be less likely to come forward knowing that unless they are scrupulously honest, they could get turned over and, you know, wind up in the hot seat, wind up in the slammer. So we don't know what impact this is going to have long term, but it definitely seems to have weakened the ability for the uh, Brazilian prosecutor to prosecute corruption charges. All right. Was that all the Brazilian news you had? Uh, Yes. Yes, it is. Although, actually, there was one... uh, so the, the ban on Brazilian beef happened yesterday. The Brazil finance mm-hmm. minister, Henrique Marielis, said he expects the U.S. to lift that ban soon. And, of course, his mm-hmm. comment is the ban decision bore no relation to sanitary concerns. Of course, right. Which, you know, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's all I've got from south of the border. Delaney, what else okay. do you have? I have the um, Syngenta lawsuit, which was that group of around 7,000 farmers from Kansas, Kansas corn growers, that banded together to file a lawsuit against Syngenta in regards to that um, MIR-162 trait. Yeah, yeah, that's in what it was. I was looking for that. Yep. Yeah. So yesterday they were awarded $217.7 million in compensatory damages. So I calculated it earlier just because I was curious, and that's about $30,000 a farmer. It is before you take out attorney's fees. Right. And in a case so. like this, it I've spoken with a few friends of mine. I, mm-hmm. We don't know what these attorneys charge, but it wouldn't be out of line for them to be charging 50% of yeah. damages yeah. as fees. So that's a nice you know, $100 million payday for those attorneys. It is. But I think more than anything, it was um, these farmers just wanted to receive some credit or recognition of what happened you know sure sure and uh, you know 15 grand isn't oh yeah yeah but i did also see that syngenta does plan to appeal this decision yep i did see that too and there's still another trial in minnesota for sure okay all right so we'll continue to follow this as uh as that gets shaken out we'll we'll share the details well, we're talking, uh, so you know that Syngenta deal happened because China hadn't approved that MIR-162 trade, so they used that as their pretext for blocking corn imports into the country. One thing they have not blocked, and we've been tracking this since it started, was today China took delivery on their first shipment of American beef. So for the first time in 14 years, legally, American beef is moving into China. 
And uh, these imports were, were bought by the Kafka Meat Holdings, and uh, they came into the country today. And uh, this is expected to help the U.S. gain market share from Australia in their premium meat market going forward. So, hey, hey, there we go, folks. We're shipping beef across the Pacific into China. And uh, looks like folks are, are snapping it up so far. Well, this wasn't the first shipment, technically. No? There was that boxed beef shipment from the uh, Greater Omaha packaging. Is that right? Yeah, Greater O, but that I don't think has arrived. I, my understanding oh. is this was the first beef to be on the Let shores it. and okay. unpacked in China. Okay. That shipment left the country, but I, I don't know that it's arrived yet. Mm, okay. Yeah, and I could be mistaken. This was uh, this was Reuters reporting that uh, this okay. was the first shipment to go into okay. China officially. Gotcha. That makes sense. It does. What else do you have, Delaney? The only other thing I wanted to mention is that last night or yesterday um, – Senate, the Senate brought in the House passed bill for health care. And that plan is going to be it's cutting taxes by nearly a trillion dollars over the next decade. And a lot of people in rural America are nervous for the proposed budget. Um, Medicaid is going to be capped. There's a lot of changes to small businesses, which farming would fit in there. And overhauls one-sixth of the U.S. economy. So a little nervous, a little tension in rural America about the new bill. And I'll share some articles on the website if you want more specific details about the bill. But so 2026 is when they're proposing to have everything in full force. Okay, so we've got you know nine, eight, nine years before yeah. things kick in. Right. Okay. Well, I just have one other piece of news, and uh, this is for our wheat-growing listeners. Russia, which has been in a little bit of a tiff with the country of Turkey, announced today that Turkey can now purchase wheat from Russia without any restrictions. So this was cut back in uh, back in March, and uh, basically it, it really, really cut uh, Turkish wheat imports, but... They have now kicked up from April when this ban was in, not banned, but restrictions were in place. Turkey imported 58,000 tons. In May, they imported 105,000 tons. And uh, since the, tarts, the start of 2016-17, the marketing year, Turkey has purchased 2.4 million tons of Russian wheat, basically 9% of Russia's total wheat exports. So... We won't be looking at Turkey to be buying much U.S. wheat since they've got that supplier now they're on good terms with as a neighbor. But the good news is with Turkey ramping up wheat productions, probably uh, fairly cost effectively being as Russia as their neighbor, we might begin to draw down that global wheat surplus that is, uh, you know, effectively kept a lid on this market for the past nine months. So mm -hmm. possibly a mixed bag, potentially good news. Speaking of the markets, why don't you read us today's closing market prices before we head into our interview for today? Let's do that. Although, folks, I don't know if you're going to want to hear them, particularly on the corn market. July corn dropped a nickel today, closed at 357 and three quarters. This is the lowest close in that contract, July corn contract, since September of last year. Oh, not real bullish. December corn dropped five and a half cents to close at 375 and a quarter in soybeans finally a little bit of a reprieve in the July contract it rose half a cent to close the day at 904 and a half November beans dropped two and a quarter cents to finish at 911 even in the wheat pit despite the news of the uh, change in 
Russia-Turkey situation. July Chicago wheat dropped one and a half cents, closed at 4.59 and three quarters. December wheat two and a quarter to the downside, finished at 4.95 and a quarter. Now, we do have green on the screen. We've just got to bring it over to the meat market. A live cattle, August contract, up a dollar. Close the day at 115.27 and a half. October live cattle up 42 and a half cents, finished at 112.42 and a half. In the feeder cattle market, August feeders up a dollar 50, finished at 144.95. September feeder cattle up a dollar 42 and a half, close the day at 144.40. In lean hogs, a little bit of mixed trade. The July contract climbed 27.5 cents to finish at 85.30. The August contract dropped $1.22.5 to close at 78.65. In milk, July Class 3 milk futures rose 9 cents, closing the week, beginning the weekend at 16.01. So without further ado, let's hear what farmers in Arkansas and potentially farmers around the country could experience with this new emergency bill that was passed today. Well, it's not quite a bill yet, Mike. It still has to go past the governor and the Arkansas Legislative Council for approval, but it could very well be a bill soon. So let's kick it off to Adrian. We're joined now by Adrienne Barnes. She is the Director of Communications for the Arkansas Agriculture Department. And Adrienne, there have been a lot of events going on this week in Arkansas in regards to new dicamba regulations. Would you mind giving us a brief summary of the events leading up to today's vote? Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, we are experiencing in Arkansas a higher volume of alleged dicamba misuse complaints turned into our Arkansas State Plant Board. Uh, our total complaints at this time is uh, R241. Uh, because of that large volume, uh, the Pesticide Committee, which is a committee of the Arkansas State Plant Board, uh, is working to address the issue of that in Arkansas in terms of understanding what's going on with the complaints, why the complaints are happening, understanding from farmers, uh, what can or, or can't be done on both sides of the dicamba issue uh, because there are many people experiencing uh, success with dicamba and dicamba-resistant soybeans. There are others uh, that have great damage. So on Tuesday, the full Arkansas State Plant Board met at the recommendation of the Pesticide Committee to create an emergency rule banning the use of dicamba products uh, for in-crop use in Arkansas. This emergency rule would have been a 120-day ruling. Uh, at that meeting, a procedural error took place in that uh, there was confusion about how many voting board members were actually in attendance because several board members actually called in by phone. So at the Tuesday meeting, the ban was what we thought uh, voted down. Uh, and new regulations were voted to move forward with that would have required hooded sprayers and an added one-mile buffer zone downwind uh, of any application of dicamba. Uh, after the meeting concluded, the procedural error was discovered, so the state plant board and the ag department sought uh, advice from the governor's office and the attorney general's office who said we need to do a revote in order to be entirely transparent with this process and do what's right and fair for Arkansas farmers. So that's what's happening this morning. The Arkansas State Plant Board is reconvening to consider uh, how to move forward with this issue. 
So after the vote later this morning, if mm-hmm. if either a ban is approved on all dicamba products, but it, Ingenia is currently the only product approved for use in dicamba That's trade right. crops. Okay. That's or right. if the uh, the additional restrictions are put on, is there also a is there a punishment for producers who violated or are investigated and then found to have violated either the restrictions or the ban? Well, that's that's actually a separate deal entirely. There is a $25,000 fine that is about to go into place in August. Oh. So the plant board did already put that into action. There are going to be heavier uh, fines to hopefully stop the people that are misusing the product from doing so. Uh, it's not a retroactive fine, however, so there's not a lot that can be done until after August to appropriately punish people that are causing damages. I think what you're asking, though, is um, today, if an emergency rule passes uh, and and or harsher, harsher restrictions pass, will the fine be in place? And, and the answer is no. That $25,000 fine will not take place until August. Okay. So right now the fines are extremely low. They're, they're around about $1,000, which is not nearly enough to really stop everyone uh, from misusing the product. Again, the plant board knew that, and that's already – the plant board and the governor have increased that fine. Can't take place until August. Okay. Okay. Adrian, taking a few steps back here, the EPA sure. released final approval for – dicamba products and formulations for the 2017 growing season, but Arkansas took a harsher stance than a lot of states. Can you tell us why that was? Well, I can just tell you that the Arkansas Pesticide Committee, as I said, which is a part of the Arkansas State Plant Board, works to listen to both sides of issues from Arkansas farmers. Uh, In Arkansas, this was a, a product that many farmers had extreme concerns about, uh, so through public hearing and a formal rulemaking process, the state plant board worked with Arkansas farmers to uh, make a decision that benefited uh, the most people. And uh, I can't speak to how or why that was different from surrounding states, but I can tell you that the pesticide committee and the plant board worked directly with farmers and residents to carry out their desires and concerns. Now, as you look out or as this moves forward, this vote and restrictions and or ban move forward, uh, there have been other states that have faced complaints. And I just wondered, as the director of communication, have you fielded any calls from other states maybe watching Arkansas as an example for for how to tackle the dicamba drift issue going forward? Or uh, have you heard anything? I have. Uh, we have. We, we actually had uh, experts from Missouri uh, at our meeting Tuesday, and we've also had input from Mississippi and Tennessee. So we are working to seek out updates and information from our neighboring states, and in turn, they're, they're certainly watching this situation closely. So, Adrian, after today's vote, if it passes, there will be a 120-day ban on dicamba products. Is well, that correct? Well, actually, actually, no. If okay. today the committee passes a recommendation for an emergency rule or a recommendation to change the rule to create harsher restrictions, i.e. hooded sprayers, et cetera, it will then go 
uh, for review to the governor's office and then to the executive subcommittee of the Arkansas Legislative Council. So uh, the, this is just the first step in a larger review process where the governor and the legislative council will look at the science, the testimony, uh, all the series of events and details surrounding this issue on both Tuesday and what will be heard today, uh, and they'll make a decision within the scope of, you know, will this rule place unnecessary burden on business? Does this rule accomplish what's best for Arkansas farmers? Uh, and so th- today is a first step. So this is the first step. Will the rest of these steps try to be concluded for the 2017 growing season, or is this just a plan going forward? This this would conclude uh, quickly. I, I don't know that, that there's no way to put a two-week or three-week timeline right. on it, but because it's an emergency ruling, it would certainly be given uh, expedited attention. Well, I have one last question for you, sure. and I don't know if you can speak on this, but so you said 241 cases have so far been filed have you seen a lot of those cases being filed by crop farmers or consumers or who have been the majority or bulk of these complaints coming from? Well, they, they are all alleged dicamba misuse complaints, and that's mm-hmm. actually something that we can't speak to until the investigations are concluded. Well, we will let you get going. We know you have your vote coming up here very shortly. And, uh, Adrian, after the vote is completed, um, we would we will uh, give a report on what everything looks like going forward in the state of Arkansas. All right. Really appreciate you taking you the guys. time to talk to us. Yeah. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity, and uh, y'all keep helping us uh, keep everybody informed. We appreciate you. Again, a big thank you to Adrian for taking time out of her busy, busy day today because they did meet this morning to decide on that final ruling, the Arkansas State Plant Board. And so the final ruling said that there will be no in-crop use of dicamba once it is signed by the governor and passed by the legislative session. Is that correct? From what I understand, yes. But, you know, as Adrian was explaining it, there are a lot of pieces, and this is just one piece of that puzzle. So we'll continue covering the story and following it as we learn more about it. That sounds like a plan. And folks who want to hear more of the story next week during the Farm Her Conference held in Des Moines, Delaney and I will be there. Delaney's going to take, uh, you know, front of the stage on that because it is the Farm Her Conference. I'll be playing backup, but we're going to have a lot of fun. Talk to uh, ladies from 20 different countries, as Carly mentioned yesterday. 20 different states. 20 different states. That's right. <laughs> one one phenomenal country, that yes. is the United States of America. And then we'll go from there. We're going to have a great week. Are we going to talk to Jim Burns on Monday, Delaney? We are talking to Jim Burns about the hog market, which, you know, he's kind of predicted is heading towards that $90 range. That's right. July hogs, as I mentioned, closed at eighty-five thirty, up 27 cents. Mm-hmm. We're marching towards 90. We'll see if Jim's forecast has changed at all. In the meantime, I think we ought to wish everybody a fantastic weekend. Temperatures are going to be a little cooler here in Iowa, and hopefully they will be pleasant where you're at as well. Right, Delaney? Yep. It's pretty chilly out today, but... Good weekend for everyone, and be sure to follow us on social media. Our Facebook and Twitter handle is at Ag News Daily, and you can also check out our beautiful new website, 
www.agnewsdaily.com. We have a lot of news and podcasts and some web extra things on there. So be sure to check it out. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and you'll know exactly when we drop a podcast every day. So until then, Mike, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.